we're starting a new sermon series today, and it is called Blessed, Broken, and Given. And so over the next several weeks together, we're going to be looking at our lives using the biblical metaphor of bread. And you know, when you think about it, there really isn't anything else in the world more ordinary than bread, right? I mean, no matter where you go in the world, there is some version of bread. I mean, you go to France and you've got baguettes and croissants and who doesn't love that, right? And you go to Latin countries and you've got tortillas, which are delicious, or to India and there's naan. And then here in America, we have good old sliced white wonder bread. Woo, right? (laughs) You know, bread is the building block of every meal. I remember as a kid growing up, there was always a loaf of bread on our table. And if I got to the end of the meal as a teenager and I was still hungry, my mom would say, well, get a slice of bread and put some butter on it and have some bread and butter. It is common. Bread makes an ordinary meal. And you know, it's the very commonness of bread that makes it Such a great metaphor for our lives, too. Because, you know, if we're honest about it, what we do most of the time is pretty ordinary. We get up and we go to work. Whether your work is paid or unpaid, it doesn't matter. You work at your hobbies, normal, everyday kind of hobbies. You try and do your best. You shuffle your kids around from soccer practice to school. You shop for groceries. You cut the grass. I mean, for the most part, there isn't anything in our daily lives that really sets us apart from other people who are all around us. Like bread, it's ordinary. And maybe that's how you see yourself, too. Maybe you've settled for a life that you think doesn't matter very much, or you're living with this unsustainable, manic drive to to grasp and to grab and to, to get more, always feeling like it's just out of reach. Maybe you're wrestling with that unkind voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough or you're less than what you should be. Well, my friend, I have some good news for you today. Because if any of those seem or sound like you, then I want you to know that there is so much more to this life than what you can see. Throughout scripture, we discover that there is nothing as common as it seems, even bread. Think about it. Bread fell from heaven by the hand of God as a sign of God's provision. Bread became a metaphor for the law, the word of the Lord. Jesus told his followers, I am the bread of life as the multitudes came to him. And then on the night that he was handed over to suffering 
and death. Jesus took bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to his disciples as a picture of his body, which is given for the world. In his gospel, Luke records three stories about Jesus taking bread in his hands, blessing it, breaking it, and giving it. And we're going to look at one of those stories today. Luke 9, beginning in verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. There are several things going on in this passage. First of all, it seems like the needs of the people are overwhelming. No matter where Jesus goes, even when he wants to get away, they follow him. And they need healing. And the second thing you notice is that it seems that the resources are in short supply. And so the disciples' impulse is to to send the people away. And maybe that's not uncompassionate. Maybe they're thinking about the people. There's nothing for us to give them here. Let them go to some towns where they can actually find something. And you know, I think if we're honest, it's how we feel sometimes. When we see the needs of our friends and our family members and our neighbors who live around us, sometimes it can feel overwhelming. We turn on the news and we're just bombarded by tragedies and hardships. Or we scroll through social media, our Facebook page, for example, and we see that difficult doctor's diagnosis that our friend just received. Or the unexpected losses that someone else we know is facing. And you know darn well that you can't just click on a sad face emoji and have it cut it. That's not enough. And so we can say, I'll pray for you. And we do pray for people. But what can you really do? Sometimes it just seems like it's too much. And on top of everyone else's stuff, you have your own stuff, don't you? I've got mine too. Your own life isn't exactly a walk in the park. So send them away, Jesus, we want to say. Just like the disciples said. But Jesus wouldn't let them. And he doesn't let us either. 
He doesn't let us off the hook so easy. Verse 13, he replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to the disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. And then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. You see, Jesus took the five loaves of bread that they had, and he did three actions. And those three actions changed the entire story. Because you see, a desolate place became a place of abundance. And a desert became a banquet. And a story that began with not enough ended with there being more than enough. More than enough. You see, this is what happens when Jesus takes something that we think is just ordinary bread and he blesses it and breaks it and gives it. And I think those three words can change the story for you, too. Jesus took bread, blessed it by giving thanks to the Father, broke it, and gave it. You see, bread in the hands of Jesus is blessed, broken, and given. And so it is for you. Your life, as common and ordinary as bread, in Jesus' hands, becomes something so much more. You see, this blessedness that I'm talking about is not about accumulating more or achieving more. Blessedness is about having your true identity recovered. The identity that God gave to you when he formed you in your mother's womb. Blessedness is about being given a new name. Once you are a sinner, now you are a saint. Once you are far off, now you are welcomed, cherished in the family. You are God's beloved. The Eastern Orthodox theologian, Alexander Schmemann, in his book, For the Life of the World, Sacraments and Orthodoxy, wrote, God blesses everything he creates. And in biblical language, this means that he makes all of creation the sign and the means of his presence and wisdom, his love and his revelation. And so in the hands of Jesus, your life becomes blessed. 
And in the hands of Jesus, your life becomes broken. But it becomes broken in a new way. There are several kinds of brokenness, you see. And we're going to talk more about that in week three of this series. There's a brokenness that comes from our frailty, our finiteness, our limitations as human beings. There's a brokenness that comes from our failure, our sin, our participation in the spread of wickedness. And there is a brokenness that is just the pain of living in a fallen world. Our suffering, our pain. But all these kinds of brokenness can be placed in Jesus' hands. And when you place your brokenness, your failure, your frailty, your suffering in Jesus' hands, then you become open to the grace of God. Now, this brokenness isn't about wallowing in your own brokenness, wallowing in your sin, fixating on how miserable you are. No, to be broken is to allow the grace of God to to humble you, to lead you into vulnerability with others and their vulnerability. And it is to transform your heart. You see, brokenness becomes openness in the hands of Jesus. And after all, if we don't break bread, we can't share bread, can we? It's in the brokenness that we are allowed to be given for others. You realize that this life is not about you, right? You get that, right? Yeah, you get that. I know it. Sometimes I forget it. Sometimes you forget it. But this life is not about us. You see, life with Jesus is always deeply personal. But it is never, ever private. You see, the openness that comes from being broken is meant to lead you outward. You see, there's a hunger in the world all around us, a deep groan for something more than what is. And when your life becomes blessed and and broken in Jesus' hands, he gives you out for the life of the world. You become the way that others find the bread of life, even in a country like Albania. But to be that way, you've got to first experience the, the blessing, and you've got to embrace the brokenness. Because only then can you be consecrated in order to be used in powerful ways by the Lord. Listen again to Luke 9, 16. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. One of the amazing things about this story is Jesus takes the bread and he gives it back To the disciples. I mean, Jesus did the miracle of multiplication, right? Surely he could have done the miracle of distributing the bread to that many people. Why involve the disciples at all? Well, that's what God does, right? 
That's exactly what God does. God made human beings in his own image so that we could partner with him. From the beginning, God chose human beings to be collaborators with him. Jesus had told the disciples to give the people something to eat. They wanted to send the people away. You see, the disciples saw the crowd as a problem, didn't they? But Jesus saw the crowd as the disciples' responsibility. And now, because of Jesus' miraculous blessing, what was not enough is more than enough. And weary disciples who were willing to be the bearers of bad news to hungry people now get to be the carriers of great news to those same people. That's what Jesus does. He blesses us and he takes our brokenness and he turns it into something that can be used for the good of someone else. Our purpose is restored. The calling, our calling, is back on track. You see, blessedness and brokenness are all for the sake of one thing, givenness. Now, the thing that we must not miss in this whole story is who the hero really is. Ultimately, it's not about the boy who gave up his lunch for others. And it's not about the disciples who learned a valuable lesson. This story is about Jesus, who is the generous host. You see, the text opens with us seeing Jesus and how he responds to the crowd who followed him out to this remote place. When the crowds figured it out, they followed him. He welcomed them, spoke to them about God's kingdom, and he healed those who were sick. You see, Jesus welcomed people, and he taught the people. He healed the people, and he fed the people. Not only is Jesus the one who welcomes the people, Jesus feeds them. You see, with Jesus, there's always an abundance, more and more and more. You see, grace is always more, isn't it? Luke 9, 17, they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Jesus turned a desolate place into a place of abundance, and that's what Jesus does. Always. And so the question for us is, do we see it? Do we see it? Do we see the world as Jesus sees the world? I have to wonder, when Jesus walked into that desolate place, did he see it that way? Was it a desolate place to Jesus, a remote place? Or did he already know that it, no matter where he went, that he was blessed and the fullness and the abundance of God, the glory of God was already there? And that's really good news. Because, my friend, you don't have to be epic. You don't have to be spectacular. You can be bread. Just like bread that seems so common, so ordinary. 
but is actually so crammed full of glory. Your life is actually miraculous and holy. That's what happens when Jesus touches us and we place ourselves in his hands. The Hebrew poets and the prophets knew this. They talked about the relationship between God and the world like this. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Psalm 57, 5. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Isaiah 6, 3, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. God, the holy God, the God who is above and beyond everything and everyone else. His glory is filling not only the heavens, but the earth. Think about that for a minute. God is holy, and his holiness fills the earth. God is not only above and beyond his creation. He is also somehow within it, right here. God is holy and he is filling the common with his glory. The heavens are open to the earth below. Many years before the prophet Isaiah penned those words from Isaiah 6.3, there was a herdsman named Jacob, and he had a dream about the heavens opening up. You see, Jacob was on the run, wasn't he? He was embarrassed. He had just deceived his father and his brother, and he was running for his life. He had fooled his father into blessing him instead of his older brother Esau with a blessing that is normally reserved for the firstborn son. You see, this blessing was a practice that had come to symbolize a life trajectory, a, a sense of destiny. And so here is Jacob on the run with a stolen destiny, wondering what lay before him. And as Jacob lay his head down that night, to what could only have been a troubled sleep, he found a rock to use as a pillow. Now, one would probably not guess that these would be the conditions that would be ripe to make for a good night's sleep or even a nice dream. Yet even as a man running for his life, Jacob slept. And he dreamt. And he saw the heavens open up and angels ascending and descending in that place. And he heard the voice of the Lord say to him, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Immediately, God identified himself as the God who had called Jacob's grandfather and father. Jacob woke up and said what must be the truest words he had ever spoken. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. This, this is the description 
of a world that is beginning to wake up to the nearness of God. You see, we're Jacob, aren't we? We scheme and we enhance to to enhance our futures and our fortunes because we think maybe there's no one out there watching over us. Or we stretch the truth and we manipulate the outcomes because who knows if there really is a God or not. And even if there is one, we think sometimes, maybe he's too far away to even notice us or he's too preoccupied with more important things. And if there is a heaven... Maybe it's just so far out there. And then we glimpse something. It may not be a dream or a heavenly vision. It may simply be a spark, a flash of joy or a flash of awe, we bump against the mystery and, we, and the wonder of it all, and our imaginations are awakened, and we see it. God is here. God has been here the whole time. The heavens are open. The whole earth is full of God's glory. My friends, that wasn't just the sun coming up this morning, signaling the start of a new day. It's the witness of a steadfast God who's Light will always break through the darkness. That was not just a dinner you shared with friends. It's the music of laughter, of reminding us that we are not alone. That's not just the sound of a baby crying in the night and robbing us of our sleep. That is the evidence that your child is loved and she trusts you enough to know that you will come and rescue her. My friends, these are all gifts from God, ordinary and yet extraordinary, earthy, yet filled with God's glory. Oh, sure, things can be reduced to technical descriptions and itemized particles, just like a great symphony can be explained as a, nothing more than a mathematical sequence of sonic intervals. But music is more than math. And life is more than the sum of its events. In each moment, in each breath and thought and act, something more is going on. It is not merely ordinary. Surely the Lord is in this place, the place we are right now. And we do not know it. It's true. The whole earth is full of God's glory. And when we place our lives in Jesus' hands, just like those five loaves of bread were placed in Jesus' hands, then our ordinary lives become extraordinary lives. Your ordinary can be crammed full of glory. Your not-enoughness becomes more than enough. And your every day can be filled with God's purpose for your life. Will you pray with me?
Lord God, you took dust from the earth and you breathed into it and you made men and women formed in your glorious image. Holy Spirit, you use ordinary men and women like us and you accomplish powerful, miraculous, extraordinary things through us. Lord Jesus, you take our limited resources and even ourselves, who we often think are too limited for you to use, and you show us that when we place our life in your hands, then what we have to offer is always more than enough. So Lord Jesus, we place ourselves into your hands.